Hi, this is Cassandra Lee Morris, and you're listening to the Annie Monday Podcast. Please enjoy your weekly dose of random anime. Hello, and welcome to the Annie Monday Podcast. My name is Colin Hemphill. And I'm Kayla Hemphill. On our show, we roll the virtual dice and must watch a randomly selected anime title. Welcome back. Hello. We have a rhythm. We have a rhythm. I don't know that I have anything to say about that, though. (laughs) I'm just real proud of us. This year has been a lot of just like wandering through... Maybe things will happen, maybe they won't. And now it's like, oh, look, a little structure. That's nice. Yeah, and then we got two shows in and got stuck with Digimon. (laughs) Hey, not everything can be perfect. I guess not. On our previous episode, we hit the random button and we entered a digital world called Crunchyroll, where we were shown a series called Digimon Fusion. (laughs) Digimon Fusion is also known as Cross Wars, which is spelled X-R-O-S. And uh, so if you're looking for it on Crunchyroll or somewhere like that, it might be called Cross Wars instead of Fusion. This is the sixth anime series in the Digimon franchise, and it premiered in July of 2010. It aired alongside a four-volume manga series, and both of those ended in March of 2012. This series is split into three arcs, and the first one, which is the one that we watched, is unnamed. But... On Crunchyroll, the entire series is subtitled with the name of the final arc, which is The Young Hunters Who Leapt Through Time, which is very confusing because this arc has nothing to do with leaping through time. Nope. Uh, And I guess that also leads me to the idea that Digimon typically goes through a lot of changes when it's localized. Mm Mm-hmm. So in the U.S. version, they even have, like, a separate composer for the music. And it's licensed by a mix of companies like Saban Brands and Toei Animation. It aired on Nickelodeon and The CW in the U.S. And one of the biggest changes is that all of the human characters have westernized named. Which this happened in the, the 90s Digimon as well. A lot of the characters had western names. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, in this particular series, the main character, for example, is named Mikey Mm -hmm. in the English version, and Taiki is his original name. Because they sort of sound the same. Yeah, I guess so. And uh, since we watched subbed, we'll uh, be referring to the characters by their original Japanese names. Yep. And uh, all that said, we watched the first four episodes. Kayla, would you like to give us a synopsis? Taiki and his friends are swept into the digital world where an ongoing war is threatening the lives of the Digimon who inhabit it. There are those who wish to take back their once peaceful homes and fight against the dark powers destroying their land. The unlikely heroes will leverage their power of the crossloader to help save the digital world and their new friends. So, uh, do we want to start off just by talking about Taiki a little bit? (laughs) Um, Because he gets introduced within seconds of the show starting and uh, is obviously going to be the focus for most of it. 
And if you have any familiarity with Digimon, Taiki is a dead ringer for Taichi, who is uh-huh. the main character. Not subtle at all, is it? Yeah. Or Tai, if you watch the English. Um, they look the same. I thought that this was like a a reboot of that character until yeah. I figured out that actually, no, they're, they are different, but basically the exact same. No, because there is an actual reboot of the original series yes. that's, I think, currently airing. Right. And this is not that. No. But even personality-wise, same kind of character. You know, it's it's your typical kind of isekai trope. He is very helpful to those who are around him and has a hard time, you know, turning down people who need his help. And this is indicated by the fact that he's constantly helping out clubs at his school because he's such a great athlete. Yeah. Which in theory is supposed to be like part of what translates into him, you know, being the protagonist of an isekai and being so skilled in the digital world. But that doesn't really seem to make sense. His his role in the digital world is not active. No. He walks around with the Digimon mm-hmm. doing whatever they need him to do. Mm-hmm. And then when there's a battle, he summons them yep. or transforms them or whatever he needs to do, and they do all the work. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they start off this show with him at a basketball game, uh, like popular and good at the sports, and uh, then we immediately meet his like kendo rival. Yep. So he does other sports too. To the point that his childhood friend like can't keep track of what <laughs> events he's going to at the moment. Right. Um, so they haven't really showed us how that's relevant, but they made a point of setting it up in the very limited time they had in the real world. Some of the language that you'll hear them use about Taiki is that he's a general. And so this to me is indicating like strategist, which is... Basically, his role, like he, because he has the cross loader that he just randomly got, he didn't do anything to get this thing. He's the one that decides when and which Digimon should fuse together. Yeah. And so it seems like they're setting him up to be this good strategist, which I guess could translate to his sports skills. But again, it's sort of like, he he's not on a team in which to be this good strategist. It seems like he was more just being a, a player. Right. Yeah, and, and they even kind of emphasize how because he is so helpful to everyone and he won't turn people down, he works himself into exhaustion constantly mm-hmm. um, to where he comes across as very scatterbrained. Yeah. Which would be terrible for (laughs) filling that role right um even to the point that like his childhood friend character kind of becomes a stand-in for his mom yeah for sure because his actual mom is shown very briefly Mm -hmm. in the first episode but as soon as they're in the digital world they have not been back and it doesn't seem like they're going back Mm -hmm. and so akari his childhood friend she kind of navigates 
with him and like helps him to moderate his helpfulness and to help him organize a little bit very much comes across like his mom. I would love it if we could have like female characters in these isekais that aren't like either the over the top flirt or the over the top momager. Like what? Why are these the only two female mm-hmm. characters that we can have in isekais? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times I think we even see that there's a female character who is part of the other world mm-hmm. and at least becomes like some sort of guide. Mm-hmm. Like she has an understanding of the world that the main ter- character doesn't and can at least provide like information that way. But he and his friends all go in at the same time and they all know nothing, but he suddenly is the master of the digital world. Yeah. He's got it all covered. He doesn't need any help from anyone. And so she doesn't even fill that role. She literally just kind of like follows him around and moms him. We do have random characters who will just come in and push the plot forward by just dumping information. They're not huge dumps of information just because this is a kid's show. So they are having to keep, you know, like they need it to be simple. But there's a lot of random stuff. Just I don't know if this is true for all Digimon or this specific show. But every so often, a character will just randomly show up and be like, hey, you see that thing right there? Here's what you do with it. And then suddenly, you know, Taiki's like, oh, I've got this and I don't need any other like advanced training. I just Mm -hmm. need to know the name of this thing in order to master it. Yeah. Yeah. And and often not even that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there's there's two other humans in the digital world that Mm -hmm. we've seen. Uh, there's another boy who also has a crossloader. His name is Kiriha. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some girl named Nene who is the one who explains this idea of the cr- code crown fragments, mm-hmm. um, which I guess we'll get into that. But yeah, these these two other humans just kind of show up to provide information and then they disappear. And maybe they'll be more key to later episodes, but so far, not really. Yeah, it seems like the the male character that is already here, he is like, I'm going to be your rival, your true rival, Mm -hmm. not your friend rival. And then the girl, literally, she says this like three times. She's like, I like strong boys. I'm like, stop it, stop it. Y'all are middle schoolers. (laughs) Chill. So I guess let's talk about Zinjiro. Let's not. <laughs> the self-proclaimed kendo rival. Mm-hmm. Who does nothing. Who who does not contribute at all in the digital world. Um, he shows up out of nowhere after Taiki's basketball game in the start of the first episode. Uh, declares himself Taiki's rival, claiming to be the strongest middle school swordsman in Koto. Maybe. Which is a very weird, specific thing to declare about yourself. Sure. And Taiki has no idea who he is, (laughs) so he's clearly not well-known in any regard. Right. Um, But he just kind of shows up and ends up tagging along, and then later he gets into precarious situations in which he needs to be saved. Yep. And that's about all he contributes. 
which I guess I appreciate. I'm glad they didn't make it the female character, you know, the Mary Jane of the mm-hmm. of the world, if you will. But then it's just like, well, I still don't like this type of character who's yeah. just the I'm gonna end up getting in trouble just by existing. Yeah, he he literally spends half of an episode on top of a large bamboo shoot, Mm -hmm. uh, helplessly dangling above a paddle. And just every so often, when you think you've forgotten about him, he'll be like, hey, help me out. Yeah, and they don't help him at all. Yeah, they don't. He just ends up falling to the ground eventually. Um, Yeah. So I guess to set up how all of this happens, pretty much right after the basketball game in the human world... Um, some weird things start happening. There is a voice that only Taiki can seem to hear, and it's claiming that it is dying and needs help. And then, like, a car appears in midair, phasing through a building yep. for some reason. And uh, eventually, they run around. Uh, Taiki finds the source of this voice. And a small device appears, looks like a TV remote, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, Taiki, use this. <laughs> use it, Taiki. Do it. I dare you. And he does, because he's a middle school boy. And his friends try to warn him against it. And because of that, all three of them are sucked into the digital mm-hmm. world. Which is, apparently these are just universes that are, like, touching each other. Yeah. Which could, I guess, make sense for the later time jumps as maybe we're just jumping between different universes. I don't know how this multiverse use works in the Digimon, Yeah, you know, canon. Um, yeah, but from my understanding, I think it's important to note it is actually digital it was programmed. Yes. And so anything that happens is like part of a computer program. And right. so it being like parallel to the real world, I, I don't, yeah, I don't understand fully how they make that work, but. It's hard to tell if we're in a full Tron situation of just like, oh, this is tied to a specific like computer or, you know, program that's inside of an arcade. But it does seem larger than something that we've seen in shows like Tron. Yeah. Uh, And so when he does use this device, which they call the cross loader, they get transferred into the digital world and then discover that the source of the voice was a Digimon named Shoutmon, Mm -hmm. which is like a little red dinosaur looking thing that has metal plating on it he's a little raptor yeah little robotic looking one though yeah um as opposed to kind of some of the starter digimon from the older series Mm -hmm. uh a lot of this team seemed to be metallic in some way yeah there's a lot of gundam vibes yeah to this show um and shoutmon kind of like the name implies, spends a lot of the series yelling a lot mm-hmm. and uh, mostly yelling about how he wants to be the Digimon King. Yeah, this character 
has big little brother vibes. Like, if you have a little brother, which I do, this character reminds me of my little brother from ages like five to 13. Mm -hmm. Of just like, wants to prove that he's the big man on campus and uh, like just has this really undeserved ego to him and just like wants to prove himself worthy of whatever cause he thinks he's being a part of. Right. And has somehow in the process managed to like round up a posse that follows him around everywhere. Yeah, they do that. Um, and so some of the other Digimon that hang out with Shoutmon are Ballistamon, which is like a little beetle robot. Like a Hercules beetle. Mm-hmm. And there's like this little star guy. And it's just a star. It's just a star. <laughs> and uh, a bunch of little things that kind of follow them around that look like rice balls. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's what they're supposed to be. Yeah, but they yeah they look like they look like Gonagiri, just little little triangles of whiteness. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, what we kind of learn about what has been happening in the digital world is that there is this demon Digimon named Lord Vagramon, who is trying to collect all of the Code Crown fragments, which will allow them to take over the digital world. With his Imperial Bagra army. And uh, part of that army are Digimon on the, I guess, evil side. Like Mad Leomon. Sure. And yeah, well, I don't know. What else is there to say about the plot? Not much. It, it Apparently the whole world is broken up into like a hundred different zones. Mm-hmm. And each zone has its own code crown, which is basically just an SD card. Yeah. That you can put into your crossloader. Yeah. And then just like be the owner. I don't know how it works if you don't have a crossloader. Yeah. It, it just exists inside your body, apparently. Until you die, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and even though you own the area, like, you have dominion over it. You don't really own it because the previous owner was still trying to conquer different parts of the zone. All it really allows you to do is just travel to a different zone. Mm-hmm. Somehow, though, like, Shoutmon and his crew didn't talk anything about this, didn't talk about, like, the the Code Crown pieces or, or you know, taking over zones or traveling between zones, really. Uh, they had to have that other human character come in to explain all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, so by the end of the fourth episode, Taiki has collected his first one yep. by defeating some of the Bagramon army. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we left off. So the whole trajectory of the show that I can t- that I can see... Is I'm looking at Inuyasha. Okay. Because Inuyasha starts off similarly. Mm -hmm. There is like this uh, sacred stone thing and it gets shattered and it gets scattered across the realm, the world, whatever. And so it's the 
crew that they find themselves with, it's their job to like go get all the fragments. And a lot of times they got embedded in demons. And so they have to defeat the demons and then they add it to the, it's a whole thing. Right. And I imagine this show is going to be a lot of that. It's going to be a lot of the monster of the week sort of thing. And who do we have to beat to get this, this, you know, this um, crown code. And sometimes we're going to have to like punch our way through. And I'm sure sometimes it's going to be really easy because Mm -hmm. somebody, you know, kind and benevolent will just hand it over. And there'll be people we get friends with along the way. This is what I'm I'm seeing is going to be yeah. this show, which isn't a terrible formula, but it does lend its hand to being pretty predictable. And I haven't seen or heard anything that would make me think otherwise from this show. Well, so I think the the goal there is that because it's split into three arcs, there's going to be a different backdrop for the same overarching goal. There you right? go. Yeah. So I think the collecting the fragments thing carries through the entire series, mm. but some point they're going to introduce that time travel happens. Sure, yeah. I think some characters get swapped out too and we lose like those other two people Hmm. or something like that. Sure. Um, You know, maybe those other two human characters kind of fill in more. Um, So yeah, I I do think it's going to be like just cycling through the same mechanic in a different Mm -hmm. zone Mm -hmm. and they're just going to have different ways of collecting those. And then maybe we'll have some more dramatic shifts, like, at two separate times in the show. Right. But that generally seems like about it. Yeah. Which, the thing to keep in mind is that this show is predominantly geared towards a much younger demographic than we fall into. Of course, there are people who have been following Digimon for a long time, but... The market, if you think about it in that way, the market for this show is predominantly younger, is more for your children, and it reflects in what we've at least seen in these four episodes. Yeah. All right. With all the story and character stuff out of the way, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about production. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back. Uh, Colin, do you want to kick off our conversation about the production? Sure thing. So I'm going to start showing my hand at this point. (laughs) Uh, In a discussion about the production, I think it was immediately clear to me that this is one of the weakest points in the show. Mm. And there's plenty of stuff you could draw from that discussion about story and characters, about how it's, you know, childlike and it's not really meant for our demographic. But like you said, there there is sort of a through line between, you know, kids who grew up with Pokemon and Digimon and like 
how applicable it is to your future self as mm -hmm. an adult. And uh, I, I think Digimon shows its age in the production element because, and trying to avoid like constantly <laughs> comparing mm -hmm. it to Pokemon. Yes. Pokemon has an outrageous budget. Yeah. It is the highest selling media property of all time. Mm -hmm. And when they produce a show, even if the audience is meant to be younger, they look incredible. Yeah, we've noted that, especially in the last two series that they've done, it's increased tenfold. I mean, it it there's a huge difference between, you know, what was done in the 90s that we kind of grew up with to what was kind of done. I, I imagine when I at least stepped away, like knowing what those shows were, the last two, I mean, I don't know what they've done budget and talent wise, but it's it's kind of insane. Yeah. And and Pokemon evolves in the character designs radically change between like, uh, you know, different seasons and different yeah. arcs and games that they're based on. They kind of evolve with, you know, the popular trends of the time. And they're, I wouldn't say the Pokemon change designs there. <laughs> no. You know, Pika bit. Pikachu got thinner yeah. <laughs> and more cutesy, I guess. But, sure. um, but like they they evolve over time. Whereas Digimon feels like you could go back to the '90s version, and really, it feels like it just came from the same place. It hasn't really evolved. Um, the animation, even like, yeah, it's in HD now mm -hmm. to fit modern televisions, but. It really shares the exact same DNA and really doesn't feel like it's changed that much. Um, and so let's talk about Toei animation in general. Mm -hmm. uh, Toei is uh, a big anime studio. Mm -hmm. They produce some of the biggest series. Yeah. Uh, One Piece, Dragon Ball, Digimon, Sailor Moon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, uh, and, you know, like a lot of other stuff that Akira Toriyama has done, like all the Dragon Quest anime kind of stuff. Um, and there is literally not one show in the Toei catalog that I like the look of. <laughs> I I have a, a, a fondness for old Dragon Ball, especially mm -hmm. like the 80s kind of stuff. Ooh, ooh. But I would not say that I like the look of it, whether that's the art design or the character design or even just the technical level like animation quality in this version of digimon even for toei it's on the low side of like low budget mm -hmm. it's for kids um and what i noticed about it is that there seem to be three layers of animation mm. uh up front in kind of like the the uh, front focus, there's usually the characters' faces or the Digimon who are the focus of a fight. And you see a lot of very close shots in the show to kind of emphasize character features and to de-emphasize anything else in the background, probably to limit the kinds of things that they're having to do interaction-wise. In the middle, you have anything else. People, Digimon, objects... And in that layer, things are basically just a smear of color with a general shape to kind of identify what it's supposed to be. And then the actual background, you have like the skybox or the ground that they're on or things like that. 
And so generally things live in that first layer um, to where they have enough detail to actually, you know, see the character designs and things like that. But there are entire scenes of the show where everything takes place in the middle layer. Mm -hmm. I remember one scene where uh, there was nothing in the foreground and basically just a dirt landscape in the background and then blurry sort of undefined characters in the middle talking at each other with literally zero f- animation frames for like 15 or 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. And so this entire scene, because it took place in that layer, it was not worth it for them to actually animate anything. We just had like this one static image for the entire conversation. Uh, and that happens pretty frequently. And that's, you know... Cutting corners, but it's what they probably had to do to get that done on time. Uh, and a lot of the rest of the show is cross transformations. Mm-hmm. So in, <laughs> I don't know if this is just uh, a Toei animation thing, but the immediate thing I think of is this is the Sailor Moon transformation. This is the thing that you're going to see every episode it takes anywhere from three to 10 seconds, uh, which can be a really long time in a show, you know, especially if you think how many of these sequences can happen in a show, like even in something in Sailor Moon, when they do their transformations, they probably do at least two transformations per show. And that can vary by how many characters are doing the transformation increasing the length. And so if you don't have to redraw this thing that's going to happen every show, you reduce how much manpower is going into it. And and this show has the exact same thing. Anytime that the Digimon fuse, there are set kind of combinations that they're mm-hmm. going to do. I, I'm sure it, the repertoire of those combinations are going to change as we add Digimon, as we add, you know, increased levels or whatever it is. But we're going to see the same few ones for sure. And then we're just going to sprinkle in some new ones moving forward. And this usually indicates to me like, okay, this is, this is reused footage to, you know, kill some time. Like we even, I remember we watched, Uh, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air recently. And there's always this scene where Uncle Phil throws out jazz. Yeah, where he he throws him out. And it's the same. It's the same sequence every time. He's wearing the same shirt, even if he's wearing a different shirt in in the show. And it's just there for like, ah, here it comes. Here's the thing, you know. And, And I know that Dragon Ball had this little bit when they would go, you know, Super Saiyan or whatever. And Sailor Moon has this with the magical girl transformation. It it's fine, but that's what it's there for. It's we don't have to animate this. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's certainly common in like magical girl stuff too. But if you think of like a highbrow uh, <laughs> magical girl anime, <laughs> like your Madoka Magica's right. transformation sequences were awesome sure because they were Um, different they they did have variants but even just like the core uh you know her taking on a new outfit or whatever Mm -hmm. 
was like very interesting. Mm. Personally, I think in, in Digimon, in this iteration, it's still just kind of lackluster. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of that is because, you know, they had all of this history of introducing different Digimon creatures over the years. And then fusing them is the new mechanic for this series. Mm -hmm. And so they had lots of opportunity to say, here's this Digimon and this Digimon. They're not really related. What would that look like to fuse them? And this is, I think, where all of the character design for the Digimon really falls apart, is they're not interesting fusions. Yeah, and I, this is the part that's really difficult to say, one, I have no nostalgia for this show. Like, I will defend, as you're, like, talking about, like, Sailor Moon being, like, boring sequences, I will defend Sailor Moon. Like, we'll have a conversation later mm -hmm. about this. But I I do think that part of the reason why they don't seem very interesting in the design is because it's not really appealing for us. Like, I, you know, I, I talked in the last episode about, like, color designs. The main characters that they're using right now for fusion is the the beetle and and shout mountain yeah and the colors are primary colors it's very reminiscent it's sort of like the opposite coloring of like when you think of gundam is predominantly white with a little bit of blue red yellow this is mostly blue red yellow not a whole lot of white it's a lot of these blocky primary colors and and you mentioned this, I can't remember if you mentioned this in the show or if you we were talking about it earlier. It's designed to sell merchandise. It's yeah. it's designed to be appealing and to look interesting when they're going to sell their whatever, whether it's a game or like a specific toy or whatever it's gonna be, is it is supposed to draw the eye of that kid. And so there is something that we kind of lose in the animation for this because it's designed for a younger demographic to be, you know, purchased in whatever they're going to, you know, market these things as. And it just doesn't get the same level of care and attention that I think we see in a lot of anime that's designed for an older audience. Yeah, um and I think kind of like you said, uh, they're going to focus on Taiki's core group. And so Shoutmon is probably going to be the center of every transformation. Mm -hmm. And this first one, which becomes Shoutmon X2, mm -hmm. Cross 2 or whatever they're whatever, calling yeah. it, um, with Ballistamon, the like beetle robot, the f initial fusion of those two just becomes like a weird chicken-looking robot with a big horn coming out of its chest. Yeah. And as they go to X3 and X4 or whatever comes after that, I don't know where you go with that, but even with the core group not really looking that interesting, what they've done with the... uh non-focused characters like we've seen a couple of the bad guys morph or transform or whatever and it basically is just like well what if you took the leg from this thing and put <laughs> it onto this thing yeah or this thing has the tail from this thing now mm -hmm. it's not really a fusion so much as it is we're just taking like pieces of them right 
And I think this kind of leads me a little bit into talking about like the Digimon themselves is that if you look at something like Digimon as opposed to its natural counterpart, Pokemon, is it had a very mature look compared to Pokemon. Pokemon tend to be very round. They tend to be very animal-like, so they tend to have a a natural sort of biology looking to them. Yeah. And even the way that Pokemon are drawn, they tend to be very, like, bold, strong, thick lines with, like, coloring. And Digimon, I remember even as a kid, like, seeing Digimon, it, it looked edgier. Yeah. It had way more, like, shadowing done, especially, like, the higher level Digimon. I I don't remember exactly how this, like, broke down in terms of when they evolved. It was a weird thing. But they became more and more edgy looking. They became more mature looking. And it'll be interesting to see if that ends up happening because that, that hasn't really seemed to be the case quite yet. Yeah. At least with the main characters. The bad guys all look very different. It's actually... There's kind of like this cognitive dissonance between who the the good guys are Mm -hmm. and their very cutesy way of existing and their coloring and then how dark and shadowed and mature looking the bad guys look. Right. They look like two very different shows happening at once. And so... While there's a a lot we could go into about the designs of the Digimon, there's not a whole lot I can say about the character designs for the humans. Other than that, they have this very Kingdom Hearts vibe to them. They have very big hair. They have very big feet. And they wear, like, gloves unnecessarily. Um, So that's, that's pretty much every character is they just have weird hair designs that are usually... Very large for their heads. Yeah, except that Zinjiro kind of looks like a knockoff Guile from Street Fighter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with the flat top haircut and mm-hmm, everything. Mm-hmm. So, super. And a green military shirt. Yes. <laughs> and khaki cargo pants. Gosh, he looks dumb. <laughs> uh, and the only other thing I want to talk about production, and just because I, I hear you talk about this all the time, and so I did a little investigating. Um... So this show, we watched it in Japanese, and it has, it, it really only has an intro song. It, they don't really have outros. They have like, next week, you'll see this thing. The intro song is very generic. It's very poppy. It seems like something like kids would like. And I was thinking back to, man, you know, the 90s version was very distinguished in <laughs> oh oh it was it, you could you very much could tell that it was Digimon it was very different than a lot of things that were out at that time um that were big and popular it was more kind of like some of the random computer shows that you know there's very few of us that actually know what those are and it made me think like is the English version really different it does the english version like sound the same it does not the english version for this show is completely different and actually sounds a lot like the 90s digimon version 
And then I looked up the original Digimon, like Digimon Adventures. The Japanese is totally different. It Mm -hmm. does not have that weird computerized sound that both the the Digimon Adventures and the Digimon Fusion of this series, they both have very heavy on the electronic sound. Both the Japanese are just traditional anime sounding. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we talked briefly about how wildly different the localization is for this show. It feels like, to a certain degree, Pokemon stayed pretty true to its original. Like, they came up with what is likely the greatest theme song (laughs) of all time for the American Mm -hmm. U.S. English version of Pokemon. And that was in competition with Digimon, Digital Monsters, <laughs> Digimon are the champions. Yeah. Just the worst. Sure. Just super dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it feels like everything about the Digimon English version is localized very differently than Pokemon. Yes. And we don't always see that with shows. We don't see them radically, especially with the the theme songs. They don't always change this dramatically. But yeah. There is continuity, apparently, in the theming of the Digimon series with keeping in that same vein. And I thought that was both weird and interesting. Yeah. Yeah, even just that I I wish it was more accessible to find the English version of this because it it has Patrick Seitz, Laura Bailey, Travis Willingham, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, Matt Mercer, Kyle Hebert, Johnny Young Bosch. Tara Platt, Liam O'Brien, etc. Yeah. Like all of the the good West Coast big name voice actors. And it's so rare that they're all together like that. Yeah. And also a couple people I'd prefer to forget were involved because <laughs> it was 2010 and we didn't know they were predators, mm-hmm. uh, at least on a large scale yet. Mm-hmm. But like I found Shoutmon to just be wildly hard to listen to in the Japanese because of he talks constantly and he says the same <laughs> kinds of things over and over in a really aggressive, belligerent sort of gravelly voice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe the English wouldn't be any any different, really, because that's just how the character is written. But maybe it would just be a different feeling that would give me like ever so slightly more of a a, a fondness for this show instead of just being uh, totally uninterested in right, it. Right, right. And so to kind of wrap up my thoughts, I I talked about this some earlier. Clearly, the demographics for the show is not targeted towards me. And so it's very easy to judge something based off of that, of just saying, like, I'm not who this was meant for. I have no nostalgia for Digimon. I am not the right age, nor do I have children that are the right age to be watching it. And so... It's hard for me to engage in the show. And I would probably say the only other thing I would add that I haven't already said is that I don't see room for character growth. And sometimes that happens in kid shows. You kind of just get a character who's going to learn like little micro lessons along the way, but they don't really radically change as a character. That's kind of what I think is going to happen here. I think I'm going to see... Taiki learn these little tiny lessons, but he's not really going to change as a character. He's not really going to grow. And I imagine Shoutmon's kind of the same way, mostly because they don't really have obvious defects 
as characters, you know, if you think about like how stories are written and the things that characters have to overcome, usually they have some sort of something in themselves that they have to overcome. And what appears to be those obvious things in these characters, like Shoutmon, his ego, right? And Taiki, like his, his always wanting to help people. It's already shown that they've already overcome those things right. depending on the circumstance. Shoutmon very much puts himself in harm's way in order to help those around him. He cares about his village. He wants to be king because of his ego, but he also wants to be king because like... Otherwise, they'll all die. Yeah, yeah. And like we meet him when he's already put himself in enough harm's way that he was about to die. Yeah. And Taiki immediately, when he comes to this world, is asked like, oh, can you help us? We desperately need your help. And he's like, this is not my battle. I don't really want to be doing this. I'd like to really go home. And I can see this already being like, he already has some boundaries. Like, this yeah. isn't this isn't really like something I see this show causing them to grow in major ways. Now, there could be some radical shifts that could happen. And I'm sure Digimon, you know, supporters will be like, yes, the show gets so dark. Mm-hmm. And sure. But I don't know that I want to wait through, you know, a hundred episodes of this to maybe get a little glimpse of some character development. Yeah. Yeah, Taiki's character flaw is like a, a job interview where they ask you... <laughs> what is your greatest weakness? What is your greatest weakness? My problem is that I care too much. <laughs> yes, that is Taiki. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot I could say about what I don't really enjoy about this show and a lot of that does come down to demographic and my lack of interest in you know when I was a kid and growing up with Digimon not really enjoying it then either Mm -hmm. but uh if I if I focused in on one thing to kind of point to it is related to uh what you talked about with character development but specifically in Digimon as creatures Mm -hmm. And I think this is a double-edged sword that Digimon walked itself into by giving the Digimon voices Mm -hmm. and words. Mm -hmm. Um, Pokemon, like you said earlier, are just animals. They're equivalent to if we have dogs or cats in, you know, the normal real world. They have emotions, but not human language capabilities. But how easy is it in a movie, like a, a... live action movie to put a dog on screen. <laughs> oh man, I love that dog. <laughs> yeah. It's because it's just acting like a dog. Yeah. It, it doesn't have a, a character arc. It doesn't right. have story. Um, and the rare exception that like puts a voice on the dog mm-hmm. is really uncomfortable. <laughs> and we usually don't like those at all. Sure. With the exception of maybe like the Scooby-Doo cartoons. <laughs> yeah. But that is one dog and it's real dumb, and it doesn't really have much of a character arc except that it wants snacks. He's still very much a dog in his personality, yeah. like yeah, and and so they they're able to like carry that personality through one character. Mm-hmm. But when you give every Digimon creature a personality and a voice and agency, 
beyond look at the cute fluffy animal. Yeah. Now every one of those characters, and there are hundreds of them, mm-hmm. has to have motivation mm-hmm. and intriguing details about where it comes from and what it's done with its life and all of that kind of stuff. And it is not possible at the scale that Digimon works at. And so the fact that we've chosen to focus in on Shoutmon, who I find insufferable, <laughs> and like a couple of his little friends, I I can't, I don't think I can get behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be a really hard sell for me because I have not connected with them. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be bringing in all these other Digimon who have to have some sort of standard to them, that's going to be really, really difficult. Um, So while it it does offer more diversity in the creatures than just these are all iterations on animals that we already know, Mm -hmm. it seems to have just escalated over the years to now they're all mechs. Yeah. Which is not the direction I would want from (laughs) a series like this. Sure. Um, Well, and even in mech shows... Often, mechs don't have agency. Right. Still, it's the same thing of there's this weird kind of uncanny valley of, like, I don't really want things that aren't supposed to be sentient Mm -hmm. to be sentient. Like, there's something disruptive about that. It doesn't end up being fun. Yeah. Yeah, and so ultimately this show and, and like, the entire Digimon franchise... Uh, avoid some of the ethical missteps of Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. And like, we own creatures and they fight for us. Right. <laughs> which yeah. sucks. Yeah. But they've managed to kind of like wave their hands on that issue. Mm-hmm. Whereas Digimon introduces like agency and uh, sapience to the, the characters, but has opened up all these other really difficult problems that a show for kids is not equipped to handle. Yeah. So I don't know if it needs to be asked, but because we have a formula, I'm going to ask it. (laughs) Would you watch more of this? Uh, It's always worth asking, just to clarify. (laughs) Uh, But no, I I am not interested in more, specifically Digimon Fusion. I, you know, having no nostalgia for the other series, I don't know that I'm interested in like the reboot or anything like that either. But for Digimon Cross Wars, <laughs> um, no, thank you. Yeah, I'm gonna agree. Um, I know that the different series all take place, with some rare exceptions, they all take place in kind of different versions, like different universes of themselves. So I don't know if a different iteration might connect more with me. So, you know, if we rolled another, you know, if a different Digimon series, Uh it might be easier to get into. But uh, no, I'm not going to do any more fusion. Yeah. Okay. Well, to wrap this up, uh, if you want to learn more about our show, you can visit our website at animonday.moe. That's animonday.moe. You can send us questions and comments to podcast at anamonday.moe. And you can find us on uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Our username is anamondaycast. And you can find a link for that on our website. Thank you, as always, to C2A for providing the intro and outro music for our show, which come from Senpai EP2, which is available on his Bandcamp and other major streaming services. And, of course, check out his new stuff, uh, Senpai 3, and uh, all of his other non-anime music. All of it is very good. Mm -hmm. 
Also a plug again for the new anime randomizer, which you can find on our website at animonday.moe slash random. Um, you can now select between Crunchyroll, Funimation, High Dive, Hulu, and Netflix, and whichever services that you have access to, uh, you can randomize on those. Let's roll something good. Yeah, I hope so. Random <laughs> button in three, two, one. And our show for the week is Magic Kaito. Uh, and the first episode is called Kid, the Phantom Thief Returns. Yeah. I am seeing the sharpest noses of all time. They do have very sharp noses. They do have very... Does this Does this have that detective kid? Uh, I was going to say it looked a lot like um, Detective Conan or Case Closed or whatever it's called. Yeah. Is this a spinoff then? Yeah. I think so. I'm seeing a lot of episodes with him. Ah, Yes. Kaito Kid and other characters from Magic Kaito make occasional appearances in Case Closed, another manga series by Ayuyama that has also been adapted into an anime. Oh, fun. So, related, same... Same universe. Same author and everything, but probably not dependent on each other. Neat. Seems. We have an extended universe. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's going to be our show for this week. And uh, I guess we will see you next time with some magic. Woo! But uh, we appreciate you being here and hanging out with us. And uh, we hope you have a great two weeks. Okay, bye. Bye. of Digimon video games, platforms, <laughs> Android, Game Boy, iOS, DS, 3DS, GameCube, Switch, PlayStation, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, PS Portable, PS Vita, PlayStation 4, Sega Saturn, Microsoft Windows, Sega Wonderswan. Saturn. What was Wonderswan? Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox One. The Wonderswan is uh, Bandai's, Bandai Namco's uh, handheld game console from okay. the late 90s. Neat. It looks like this. That looks humongous. Why does it have two D-pads? Why do you need two?